Praise the Lord, everybody. I don't have time to, to get to know you right now. <laughs> Maybe in the next week or two or ten. <laughs> Praise God. Woo! I videoed, I hope y'all don't mind, I videoed a, a video of this going on to my wife. She's at home tonight, and uh, all she could say was, wow. So y'all got a big wow from North Louisiana. Praise God. Good to see you, Brother Stevenson. I'm so happy to be here. I've met a Jeremy and a Jeremy, and that's about it. I don't guess I know anybody else. Praise God. Mark chapter 10. Uh, that was my son's name, Jeremy. Mark 10, chapter and verse 45, chapter 10, Mark 45 through 50. If you're going to help me, are you going to help me? I believe you are. I feel, I feel the Lord in this place. And I'll probably preach this a little longer tonight than, than I ever will again. I mean, 30 minutes is usually tops for me. 15 is a really good. Uh, well, y'all don't really give a rip, do you? For, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. That's powerful. We could preach from that. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples. Now, listen, I'm going to read this text. Don't anybody get ahead of me. You have no idea where I'm going just because you've heard this 50 times. And as they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, cry out and say. And I know y'all have heard this, but I'm telling you, you just can't read this without doing what it says. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. One more verse. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm glad you showed up tonight. I've never been here, so I can't say that anymore. I've been here now. Our universe is governed by certain laws that bring a semblance of order to our world. We are a nation of laws. 
even though you pursue, uh, peruse the news in the morning, uh, paper or whatever, you might disagree, disagree with that. But, However, civil and criminal laws make our world orderly and a somewhat sane place to live. You can't have a nation without laws. You can't have a society without laws. There are also natural laws of physics and science and mathematics that are very powerful and also very fascinating to look into. But we experience many of those laws on a daily basis, but we often don't think about them or even appreciate them. The law of gravity, for instance. I'm thankful for gravity. What keeps your feet planted on the earth? Doesn't matter how much you weigh. Gravity's the same. One of the most simplistic and natural laws is Isaac Newton's law of motion. Everybody shout motion. That law states this. A natural moving object cannot be stopped in its course of movement unless an intervention takes place or until something interrupts its process. Hang on, I'll preach in a minute. You can go all the way back to the book of Genesis and discover that the law of motion is as old as the earth itself. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And here we go. And the Spirit of God. Let's do it again. And the Spirit of God. Almost immediately in Scripture, you discover that God is a God of motion. He's a God of action. And by that act of energy, of deity and light, God set into motion everything that exists in our world tonight. From the revolution of the planets in the solar system to every living organism that moves and experiences the life that God gave to all living creatures, including humanity. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17, in fact, uh, Paul reminds it's it's in him. That's right. Come, oh, somebody's, somebody's on target with me. He said, it is in him that we live and we move and we have our being. He is a God of perpetual and continuous motion. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He never rests. Woo. He never takes a vacation. The Bible says in Psalm 122, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber or sleep. God is always working. It's not just a song we sing. 
You're always working. Even when I don't see you work, it's not just a song. It's the truth. God is always working. He's always moving. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He has the power to raise up, and he has the power to cast down. He has the power to heal, and he has the power to kill. He can give life or he can take life. He alone has the power to save or condemn. He's always working. God cannot be stopped by the futile means of mortal man. (laughs) You'd be more successful trying to stop the wind from blowing than you would be from trying to stop God from moving. He's a sovereign God. What That thing you're feeling in this place tonight, almost everybody here knows that is a moving presence of Almighty God. I find it almost humorous. This world thinks that they can manipulate and control or stop a sovereign move of God or the divine will of God. You can't do it. No man can do it. No power can do it. No government can do it. Satan may influence America into changing its stance into what is right or wrong. Satan's not doing one thing I like that he's got a little thing in his office. I read it. It said, I could agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. So Satan's not doing one thing in our country that God isn't allowing. He still calls the shots. <laughs> I said, God's still calling the shot. So, so don't fret. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't fret. Come on, turn to somebody and say, don't worry about it. I know we're praying, oh God, make things better. Save America. And I'm praying with you, but, but when I read the scripture, I don't find it getting a lot better. Sorry. I find it waxing worse and worse. I find it going into a direction that God set in order at the very beginning of creation. And there is nothing that can do about it. Satan is not winning this battle. God is not on the ropes being whipped by the forces of darkness. My God's not in trouble. We got to stop being frustrated by what we see and all the negative news that I hear. My God's still on the throne and he and he can't be stopped and his plan can't be stopped. His will and his divine purpose cannot be stopped. And if you don't believe that, oh, I'm ready to preach a little bit. If you don't believe that, just ask the devil. God kicked him out of heaven at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. Come on, you can't stop God. The devil ain't going to stop God. Nothing's going to stop God. Ask Sodom and Gomorrah after God burned it to the ground. Ask Pharaoh after God sent the plagues into Egypt and then drowned the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea. (laughs) Ask those giants in the land of Canaan after God's people marched in. 
Are y'all ready for this? And they took the land that belonged to those giants. Can God be stopped? Come on, can God be stopped? Ask the guards that stood on the walls of Jericho. When that mighty army began to march around it. Hang on, I'll get to the good stuff in a minute. And much of their surprise, those walls fell down flat. As the Philistine army asked them after they were defeated by one man named Samson. Ask the prophets of Baal if God can be stopped. After the fire fell from heaven, you can't mess with this God and you can't stop this God. Ask Ezekiel after a valley full of bleached up, dried up bones suddenly grew flesh and muscle and became a resurrected army. Ask those three Hebrew boys. Y'all, I'll just go ahead and preach the whole Bible tonight. Ask those. (laughs) You know, I'm. I'm not trying to play around here, but listen to me. There was an, uh, there was an old fella in the church a long time ago, and, and a preacher was preaching, and he didn't know where to stop. He started in the beginning of Genesis. He preached about everybody in Genesis and went all the way through the Old Testament, got over in the New Testament. He was still going three hours later. He's still preaching. And he finally, he just got, he got to the Apostle Paul, and he said, and here comes old Apostle Paul. What are we going to do with him? And one old gentleman didn't know when to hush. Stood up and said, well, he can have my seat. I'm leaving. <laughs> okay, okay. Ask Daniel after God shut the mouths of hungry lions. About 40 of them. I'm just seeing if y'all's paying attention. Just checking. Just checking. Ask Gideon. Just ask his disciples. I'm trying to hurry here. Ask the demoniac. Ask Satan again when, when what he thought was his plan took Jesus up a hill called Calvary, nailed him on a cross. He thought that was his plan. He put him in a sealed tomb, had a party for three days, but only three days. You know why? Because you can't stop God. Death can't hold him. The grave can't hold him. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Now, I've tried to tell you, you can't stop God. Now I'm going to tell you something else. You can't stop this church either. Lord, have mercy. I feel like preaching tonight. The church of the living God is an unstoppable force in this world because Jesus said, I'm the head and you are the body and all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And Jesus told Simon Peter in Matthew 16, he said, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I think I need to remind us tonight, persecution will never stop this church. Adversity cannot stop the church. A pandemic cannot stop the church. The government cannot stop the church. Laws cannot stop the church. Nobody can stop the church. Hell itself cannot stop the church. Okay. I'm done with my introduction. 
I wish to show you that there are some things that can bring this perpetually moving God to a complete standstill. When human needs exceeds our faith and hope, those needs that we have can arrest his attention. When it seems like God is just passing by troubled, languishing lives, there's one thing that can bring this perpetually moving God to a grinding halt. And I don't know how you feel about it today, but I am desperate for Jesus to stop by here and talk to me tonight. I didn't come to just kill a couple of hours of time. I desperately need him to stop and talk to me tonight. I need him to touch me tonight. I need him to minister to me tonight. I need him to stop what he's doing and give me his undivided attention for a moment because I need a revival in my family. Come on, I said I need a revival in my family. We need healings in our body. I need him to tell me everything's going to be all right. I need to hear him whisper in my ear and say, Peace, be still. If we can just get his attention. And I believe we have it tonight. The worship and the praise that's been going on. We'll get his attention. And then we'll know that everything's going to be all right. I wish you'd lift your hands for a moment. Come on, I need, there you go. I'm preaching in an apostolic church tonight. I want you to lift your hand. I want you to wave your hands to God and let him know, God, I need you to come by here and I need you to touch me. That's it. That's it. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. He came to Jericho. He went out of Jericho. Jericho being his destination, evidently. He came for a reason. He never did anything or went anywhere without purpose. Everything Jesus did had meaning. This, just this week, I, I was questioning this. What was the purpose for him even going to Jericho in the first place? The Bible doesn't really give us a reason. doesn't tell us how long. told you I could preach fast. Y'all got to listen fast. doesn't tell us how long he stayed there. It says he went there and he left there. I began to wonder why he even went to Jericho. Why does the Bible say he went there and then just left? Then it, then it simply came to me. The reason he went to Jericho, whatever that reason was in the first place, was totally irrelevant in comparison to the need of one man on his way out of the city. <laughs> this tells me, now here, now I'm going to preach the, the meat. This tells me that God himself will alter and ignore and switch and change his own agenda sometimes just to touch a life. Everything else to God becomes secondary because when you cry out to him, you become his top priority. 
Am I preaching to anybody tonight? The Bible says as he left Jericho, there was a man, a blind man, a beggar, begging by the highway. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And there were a lot of people that said, you shouldn't be doing that. Hold your peace. Be quiet. Hush. Don't disturb the master. You're a nobody. You're a beggar. He doesn't have time for you. But he cried out the more, a great deal. And Jesus stood still he just stopped and said bring that man to me and the very first step to bringing Jesus to a standstill is to have to have for you to present him with your need God is attracted to our problem all you have to do to get his attention is have a need he's not re here's, here's the good stuff He's not repelled by your need. Woo. He is attracted to your need. We get it all mixed up sometimes, you see. Your problems, your weaknesses, your troubles, your sins, your addictions does not cause him to want to avoid you. He doesn't tiptoe around some people because they're a little messed up. That's what we do. I'm not going by them because they don't have it all together. Well, I'm going to try to tell somebody something tonight. I'm going to tell you what that your problems do. They cause him to come to where you are. They cause him to come to where you are, and if you'll just cry out to him, he'll stop what he's doing, and he'll touch you. It doesn't matter where you are, where you're from, where you're headed. Jesus Christ wants to touch somebody. And I think what God is trying to tell the church today, don't tell me where I belong. You may think I should dwell in a big palace in heaven somewhere, but I'll tell you where I want to be, where I want to dwell. I want to dwell among the hurting people, those that are humble, those that have a contrite heart, those that are broken, those that are messed up, those that don't have it all together. You think you must have it all together to come to this church? Friend, you are mistaken. You think you've got to have it all together to stand here and worship God and clap and sing to God, you're mistaken. You think you must have it all together to get right with God? No, 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 no. He chooses to dwell with the broken, hurting, needy human being in our world. My Lord. There was a, you know, there was a man in, a, in the synagogue one day with a withered hand. You know the story. And Jesus told him, stretch forth your hand, right? He, he might have been a little embarrassed because, you see, here's the deal. It's in my nose. I just saw it today, but you got to listen to me. He had a withered hand, and he didn't want it exposed. He didn't want his need exposed. And that's where we are today sometimes. Uh-oh. He had that withered hand, and Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. And, and he probably was thinking, okay, but I got a good one. Let me hold it out. Because I don't want anybody to see my problem. I don't want anybody to see my addiction. I don't want anybody to see my sin. 
I don't want anybody to see my problem. I don't want anybody to see my frustration. But the Lord said, stretch forth your hand. So before you can ever get God's attention, you've got to expose your need. You need to stretch your arm out to him. I can't help you if you don't see your need. And so the man stretches forth out and he, his arm, and he says, whoa, cool, look at this. It's just like the other one. That's what happens when somebody cries out to the Lord and the Lord stops and says, I can help you. I can touch you. I can heal you. I can deliver you. I can save you. There's not one of us in this congregation tonight Jesus is saying that I don't care for. Uh, he, he, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't care who you are or who you think you are. <laughs> oh, did I say that? Never mind. That it, There's not one of us here that's without some kind of sin, issue, problem. And if you think you are, you're probably the biggest... Okay, because we become self-righteous sometimes. And we come, become hypocritical sometimes because none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous within ourselves. We are flawed human beings. We all have hang-ups. We all have problems. We all have addictions. We all need Jesus. And here's the good news. He's not repelled by any of us. He is attracted to us. He is attracted to every one of us. You study the Gospels and see who Jesus was attracted to. Go ahead, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll find out real quick. Study the Gospels. He received a lot of criticism for it. Am I doing okay? I said he received a lot of criticism for it. You shouldn't be eating with Simon. He's a sinner. <laughs> it gets better. Hey, Mary's got a bad reputation. You may not know it, but she's a harlot. You shouldn't be seen with her. Stay away from that woman at the well. You don't realize where she's been. Is anybody hearing me tonight? That's exactly who he's attracted to. People that need him. And I'm telling you, there's some people in here tonight I'm preaching to, you need him. You need him to touch you a brand new tonight. He said it. I didn't come to the well. I came for the sick. I came to talk to the sick. I came to touch the sick. The well don't need a physician. Those that need to have a need. Those that are needing something for me. That's exactly. I didn't come to minister to those who have it all together. I came to be a physician to those that are wounded and those that are broken by life. That's who I'm coming to. I got to tell you, Jesus Christ is in this place tonight. He is moving in this place. I don't know who tickles the ivories on this thing, but you could come and give me a little land in music. 
So I'm, I'm talking to some people tonight, and I know I am. I mean, the Holy Ghost has been talking to me. I've been looking forward to being here so much. And I said, oh, God, I've got stuff I can preach. I mean, my goodness, I've probably got 600 sermons. I can just pick one out. But that's not the way I roll. I've just been praying and fasting and asking, God, what do you want me to say? listen to me this what I'm preaching tonight that's what qualifies him to be my mediator it's what qualifies him to be our intercessor it's what qualifies him to be my redeemer then it says in the in the word of God in, in Hebrews 4 he said this just hit me lately pastor just hit me just recently Therefore, come boldly. Woo, Lord have mercy. Come boldly before the throne of grace. It just hit me. It just came to me just recently. That I've been reading this uh, forever and ever, and then, and then suddenly when I'm putting this sermon, I'm looking at this sermon, and I, and I read this Hebrews chapter 4, and it says, therefore you can come boldly. You see, what we do sometimes is we mess up, and we're messed up, and we got issues, and we got problems, and we got this and that going on, and so we're a little bit timid about coming in before but that's not what he said he said I don't care where you've been I don't care what you've been involved in if you want you can come boldly before the throne of grace you can walk up to me confess your sin tell me your problem and I'm right there ready to then you can obtain mercy and you can find grace to help in time of need I want, I, I'm just. I'm opening the altar up. I, I got. I want somebody to walk down here tonight that just knows you have a need. You know you have it. I know you have it. God knows you have it. Come on, it's already open. I'm not. I'm, all you have to have is a need. I love it. I love it. The young people are just flooding to the altar. God bless.